during the age of constant connection, there is a force like gravity that shapes the inner and outer boundaries of our media. The pure force of signal, the pressures and colors of knowledge, the invisible barrier. The ears of many hear the story of few, and few can relate. This connection of orbiting voices is the next paradox of the century. All right, we're live. Welcome, everybody, to Sats Radio. This is Esoteric Showdown, a philosophy of consciousness with Ron, citizen of Satoshi as co-host, and Ring Yushem. Welcome, guys. How's it going? Hey. I got to ask, what's the showdown for? I don't know. I... Uh, I think it's just a uh, a way of saying, let's get down to business and fucking discuss this, and we can have different sides. It doesn't have to be a confrontational showdown, but it's an esoteric one where we discuss various topics about consciousness, aliens, alien abductions, UFOs, and all things paranormal. Um, yeah, so it's just like a, a meeting type of showdown, not a... A battle or anything. Um, so okay, I got your email here. Let's start with that. Um, you say consciousness is the fundamental force that gives rise to all other forces, aka matter and energy. Uh, okay. Yeah, we can. We Do you want to elaborate? You could, it? you could go through it, or we could pause there because that's a lot to unpack. Okay, well, well, yeah, elaborate a little bit on that. Yeah, so I, I should get Bitcoin bomb in the space, too, because I told her uh, we'd talk a little new physics, um, which is where that comes from. So before we get into that, like, I would actually really like to hear what you guys think of the topic of this, this spaces here. Like, what do you guys think of when you think the philosophy of consciousness? I'd love to hear what, what you think. Um, yeah, I think it's it's different things to different people based on their understanding of what consciousness is. So it's such a good thing to discuss because every time we discuss consciousness, it actually expands our consciousness, right? And helps us to have a better understanding of like what consciousness really is. So hi, Bitcoin, Bitcoin Bomb. Uh, welcome in. And uh, Ron, you got disconnected from speaker. How are you again? Okay. So, Ringusham, if you're listening, or what do you think about uh, the philosophy of consciousness? What's up, Bitcoin bum? So I actually left the space there. I was trying to send a. A request a Bitcoin bum to join the space, and I lost it. Now here she is. So welcome. <laughs> Hello, can you? Hey guys, only beat you to it, buddy. That's what happened. You got on it. Ermin got there. Hello, how are you guys? Happy Sunday. Yeah. 
Okay, did, we lose, so, uh, did we lose Ernie Gershon, or is, is he still here? I can't see He's him. in on the li as a listener. Yeah, so maybe, Ron, yeah, expand on uh, what you said as your opening statement there. Yeah, um, that's too bad. I wanted to hear what he had to say. Um, I can get into that. Ernie Gershon, please just start. Oh, he's, he's back. He's back as speaker. Are you there? Yeah. Yeah, I just had to. I just switched devices. My uh, every time you switch devices, you gotta like re-add yourself. Okay, so what do you think about Ron's uh, opening statement? Uh, consciousness is the fundamental force that gives rise to all other forces, aka matter. Hundred percent on that. Hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. So that's a good basic definition. And what else do you want to add, Ron? Yeah, I want to um, kind of like put that in physics terms. So, uh, yeah, quick little diversion. Um, how many people here have heard of something called the ether? Yes, I have heard of that. I have in terms of like just what's out there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A specific thing. So, like, pretty much, I don't know, through all of time, it was just sort of recognized as a component of, of the universe, you know, the ether. And then it sort of became like a, a punchline to a joke after these two scientists supposedly disproved it uh, in, like, the 20s or 30s or something, the, the Michelson-Morley experiment. You can look it up, and you'll look at it, and you'll be like, this doesn't prove a damn thing. Um, I can't remember the specifics, but they, they pointed at it and said, you know, look, there's no ether. Let's get rid of it. And then Einstein came around with this whole curved space-time business, and Tesla just laughed at him. He's like, this makes no sense because you took the ether out. And then Einstein later was like, you know, on his deathbed kind of thing, was like, shit, you know, you were right. My theory is no good because it took out the ether. So it, to me, it's kind of the starting point um, to talk about physics. So, you guys with me so far? Yeah, good stuff. So, yeah, like, like we live in a, the physical world, um, and, you know, Bum, you talk about this a lot, like, it's, it's duality, it's like polarized, you know, female, male, you know, positive, negative, it's like this world of duality, but if you were to, like, go back through the looking glass, like, through the ether to the other side, uh, it would be unified, but it manifests into this world as, as uh, duality. And so what that means is consciousness is the fundamental force. It's, it's uh, a unified force that exists. You could say it exists in the ether. It's formless. Um, you, you, so you could think of like the ether is like the, the interface layer between the form and the formless. And so the formless is where consciousness lives, where you go and you die, you know, where your mind stream exists. It's like it, it brings in an, like an esoteric element into physics, which everything seems to have taken the esoteric element out of it, you know, like healing and education. It's all just fucked up. And so you have this kind of esoteric element baked into the cake of physics where this... Uh, formless force manifests through the ether as physical reality. So, yeah, okay, let me just give you one more quick example. Like, you know, this might sound provocative, but I would say that there's no such thing as an electron. 
And what I mean is this this force is uh, oh boy. Okay, so you you could think of like consciousness is like a unified force, and it manifests through the ether, and it's not there's no separation. Like um, you think of a, a, an atom, you know, it's like a a proton and a neutron, and then there's this like cloud of electrons like floating around outside of it, and that that whole model is just wrong. It's not like that at all. Um, it's it's like a standing wave um, that's it's trying to manifest itself out into the world, but it's also like being called back home through the ether. You get this like tension. This this it's 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 a standing wave. The whole thing is connected, and so that's. That's, you're looking at consciousness. If you're looking at an atom or if you're looking at anything in the physical world, it's like the outward manifestation of consciousness. And so it's a funky dynamic because we're made of consciousness, like it's the fundamental, but we also have it and we can manipulate it. So it gets a little confusing, you know? Like I, I think we'll definitely get into that. But um, yeah, for, from a physics point of view, you could say, any atom is a standing wave of consciousness. Interesting. Cool. Um, does anybody have any comments or questions to add to that? If not, I'll uh, move on to the next section. I mean, relative to that, I, okay, so my academic understanding of that is not very in-depth, but that resonates with me. That makes a lot of sense. Like, on some level... I think, I know, I talked to you, um, to Citizen about it, but, like, the whole concept of, um, if you look at throughout history, it's like math, for example, are discoveries. So not mathematics itself, maybe not, you know, like, the, the real truth of anything itself, but our discoveries of things have changed over time. And... I wonder if there's like a correlation between the collective beliefs of that time and in terms of how that affects, because if we're all here, if we can agree that we're co collectively uh, creating our reality and, and, and creating your reality is essentially just um, reflecting externally uh, um, whatever frequency or whatever, and that's what manifestation is then to some extent, must the science and the mathematical discoveries or whatever we deem as discoveries of that time also reflect a collective frequency? Yes. Yeah, that's what I think. But here's the other part to the, the whole thing of consciousness, right? Like in terms of how you're saying it, because... Uh, I, like if we could a more I don't know to me it's energy is consciousness however that equates so whether there's a, like a, a river or something of consciousness that that transforms into it but to me it's like just because whatever's matter in this reality is everything is energy and if consciousness is everything so consciousness energy in my mind they're kind of integral and just going from that premise, I also think that, you know, like if you guys have ever been on a highway, for example, and there's a paper, like a chocolate wrapper flowing in the wind, 
And we see that as unconscious. We just see that as material. But to me, it's like that too must have consciousness. So everything, like, and then I don't know how it plays out. And maybe it's our human ego that, that it's, it makes it harder to receive. Because if we, if we were to think of like, you know, a cigarette butt on the floor that somebody stepped on as having a consciousness. But I mean, if energy and consciousness, if, if consciousness is at the root of energy or whatever, my point is if energy and consciousness are like the same thing, then everything that is has consciousness. Now, whether it has, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Let me take you through a little thought experiment here. Like, uh, you and Avogadro's are different, different people. Maybe. How do you know? I'm guessing you are. Uh, you know, so if I took your left arm and your right arm, they're different. You might see where I'm going with this. And then if we took, you know, like the skin cell, one and the other, they're different. And if we, we could keep going down like this. And I would say, if you took two hydrogen atoms, are they different? Sure. I would think. If you take two protons, are they different? Yeah. They have unique characteristics, personality, you know, like no... The, I don't the know if they're... Like, well, my point is they have consciousness. Now, is there is their experience but okay so they're conscious they're aware now whether their experience is the same like for example if i'm a single-celled amoeba then my consciousness has whatever i don't want to say limitations but certainly my perspective of the world is going to be based on what the like a single-celled amoeba me it needs the requirements for that single-celled Right? So I don't. I wouldn't expect that consciousness to have. Do you know what I mean? To like. Yeah. Well, yeah. you could. You could think about how things arise. So it's like if we're looking at two hydrogen atoms. You look at any physics science book. They're going to say they're exactly the same. There's no discernible difference. So we just treat them all the same. But you need. You could think about how they arise. And so if you were to see what's going on on the other side through the ether, you would see there's an. and frequency. So these three elements determine the nature of that thing. But they're, they're in, um, everything is connected. So it's like the, that energetic structure, the formless giving rise to the form, can be manipulated. It can be influenced. And so if those two things have consciousness, they have different characteristics that are manifesting them. And, okay, you know, could we, that, could we yeah. compare this to, for example, a, um, a video game? So like the code on a video game where, I mean, it results. So when, if you're playing the video game, you're able to do a whole bunch of things, right? You get a tree, you might get a hill, you might get a car, you might whatever, whatever, right? 
and you can get different characters, different creatures, all that stuff. But at the end of it all, it's all zeros and ones, right? So those zeros and the fundamental zeros and ones to that turn out to be like represent, turn out to be a whole bunch of different things. Is that kind of the same thing as what you're saying? Like in a kind of like I'm sorry, I I said it correctly. It's different size, spin, and shape. Um, I'm not going to go into that, the specifics on that, but just suffice to say that. Um, like, let's say you could change the, the spin of an energetic structure with your mind. You would then change the physical manifestation of that thing. So you, you could literally change the characteristics of a hydrogen atom with your mind. Um, Got but, it. I yeah. think I understand what you're saying. So, you're, like, for example... Everything that is, so at the, even at the smallest, like, I don't know, what is the smallest thing that we know? Is it a quark? Is that what we know, or is yeah, there something that... Probably, yes, but people would say quark. Okay, so let's say even on a quark level, oh, fuck, I had it in my head for two seconds. Wait, say what you were saying, because it correlated, and then now my mind just went blank, you, sorry. All got is you with, you with me on any of this? Yep, go ahead. Yeah, so I'm just saying, like, um, the, the whole model is it's wrong, and I'm hoping that it gets updated at some point. You know, like this, this model of, like, the particles are separate, and, you know, they don't, everything is, like, uh, divisible. It's not, you know, it's all connected through fields. Like, like an atom is a ether field pressure. It's, um, and they're all connected with each other. It's, it's not, like, the way we think it is. So... To me, that, that's what consciousness is, fundamentally. Um, it's just that force that, that we're seeing in our universe as, as stuff. Okay, just uh, my, the thought just came back to, to my mind. But it's essentially like the whole idea of, say, the cells of my kidneys right now, they're, let's say, coded, for a lack of a better word. Their consciousness is coded to create kidney cells. But... Really and truly, you could take any of those single cells and um, give them another fun. Like it, it, within that cell itself, like although it's specifically coded to make the kidney in that instance, it does also have the capability of becoming a whole human being or or a star or anything. Is that? Am I understanding what? You, is that kind of like what you're saying? No, not exactly. I mean, that the pluripotentiality like goes away over time, as far as I know. But uh, I'm just saying that it's like this this force that gives rise to everything can also be manipulated. And it's like I think if you kind of get that model, maybe of like formless form, you know, ether consciousness, like you can start to realize, you know, how some people do magic or they do things that seem impossible, they're, they're functioning at this, this level where maybe they don't even know it, but um, they're manipulating things at a fundamental level. So you just said something, uh, I haven't heard the term before, pluripotentiality, which is, I assume, what the term is for what I was trying to explain. 
When you're talking like a pluripotent cell, like yeah, it just means like some cells can just become anything, but then they, you know, they right. migrate. They're gonna go. But, they become that. but technically, okay, but right in a universe where energy is not, it's not created, it's not, it does not get destroyed. All it does is transfer. Like, would it not have to? Because if it transfers from, say, my, my kidney, so say I die, and whatever the energy is that would now um, make my kidney for me, right, that would get transferred into something else. And who knows, maybe a fly, maybe, um, I, I don't know. Like, like so, I, could take, I could take all the energy of the world and shove it back through the ether, and this world would be left with no energy. You know, like I could do that, maybe, if I practice. Um, but the energy hasn't been, like, destroyed. It's just been it's just been transferred. But you would say, if you just looked at this reality, you would say I eradicated all the energy or something. Okay, but what I'm saying is, let's suppose... Um, the smallest form of matter, whatever, being the quark or whatever. That's what we understand so far, right? And that's what it is, and science is right, blah, 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 right? To some extent, doesn't a quark have to be, um, doesn't have to have pure potentiality, as you term it, because of the fact that energy only transfers? So maybe maybe the consciousness of my kidney, I can see that. So let's say my kidney as, as a thing that has its own consciousness, I could see that being like a single potential, right, in, in this existence or whatever. But at the core of it, at the core of if energy just transfers, doesn't the quark to some extent have to be purely Potentiality. Sorry, I'm, I don't know these terms, so just... I, I, would, I would say no, because, again, I'm just laying out the basics of, like, new physics for you. And, you know, this is not my work. I'm just passing this along. Um, if, you're, if you're looking at a quark, which is not a real thing, but if you're looking at, let's say, a proton, um, or let's just say an atom. You're looking at um, a hydrogen atom. Does that fully potential, like, does it have the potential to be anything? That's just a tricky question, because what is giving rise to that hydrogen atom? The form always follows the formless. So if you were looking in the formless realm, you would see that there's a specific energetic structure that is giving rise to that hydrogen atom. You can manipulate that structure with consciousness, and it can change, but that's not to say that it necessarily could be anything. Does that make sense? No, it doesn't. It doesn't okay, to me. It, it okay. shouldn't. This is this is weird stuff. So um, yeah, I'm just I'm just laying it out from like a physics point of view, what consciousness is, and then you know, we can kind of go from there because this is this is not including like, you know, mind and manipulating consciousness as much. I'm just telling you. This is how I see it from a physics point of view. So let me, sorry, let me, let me sorry just before you start, just before you start, sorry. Guys, like how how much of an understanding do you guys have of this by any chance? Because if you guys don't mind, like I, I don't want to drag the room down and like kind of ask you to dumb it down if everybody else is kind of like on the same page. 
But if everybody else doesn't mind, maybe you could dumb it down for me so we could just kind of break this down a little bit more. So, because I'm just, I, I really want to be able to process this first. Yeah. Yeah. So let me, let me give you an example. Like, if you were to picture a hydrogen atom, there's a proton and an electron, right? Like, there's the proton in the middle, and then somewhere way far away, there's the electron hovering around it. Right, that's kind of your your model. Old high school model, yeah. Proton, electron, yeah. neutron. Yeah, yeah. Okay. In, in this model, it's just here in this reality. It's not tethered to anything. It's just here, you know. And so, what I'm saying is, it's it's tethered to the ether. It's tethered through the ether into a formless realm. That is giving rise to it. So, okay, like think about it this way: the pro the proton is positive and the electron is negative, and so you have consciousness, which is this unified fundamental force. But as it manifests, you get you could think of it as the the nucleus, the proton, is like a white vortex, the opposite of a black hole. It's like exuding vibration out into the world and and then you can think of the electron, it's like it, it's like this magnetic column that splays out. So, okay, a little bit of background. Like, if you were to think, think of, like, the electromagnetic force, you have, like, two conjugate forces, or just you have two forces, uh, electromagnetism, the, di the dielectric and the magnetic. And so just like everything else that has duality, they have opposite characteristics. Like, the dielectric is cavitational, it's cold, it's, uh, Avogadis, you probably know some of this. Um, and then the magnetic is, it's like hot, it's dispersive. Um, they, they have a bunch of characteristics that are opposite of each other. And so, oh boy, okay, yeah, so you could think of this, this atom as a standing electromagnetic wave because you have this, this um, dielectric force trying to cavitate back through the ether, and then you have this magnetic force that is pushing outward, like splaying out into existence. And so it creates a, a magnetic column between the proton and the electron. And so when you think you're looking at an electron, really what you're looking at is the terminal endpoint of a magnetic column. And so this is where, like, the the platonic solids come into play because as you keep adding proton-electron pairs, you keep adding a standing wave into this mix, they align themselves in the shape of the platonic solids. So there's very specific bonding points and geometries to determine the shape of these atoms that align with the platonic solids. So that that's probably too much information. I'm just saying that you you get this. So this, is there? So yeah. if I'm following you, if I'm following you at the core of so beyond the biological, like the little cell examples that they gave in high school textbooks, at the core of everything is um, like geometric shapes that are. That's the part I'm kind of having, um, I'm trying to understand. Is it like, is there a frequency that creates these? Um, yeah, explain that to me. You, can say you, know, you know how like we see 
um, like the golden ratio, like in a pine cone. You know, we see like um, geometry in nature. I, you know, I would say if you went really small and you were looking at the atom, you would see the same type of geometry naturally manifest itself. It's just, it's just like the the natural easy way of nature is in this geometry, and it exists right down to the atomic level. That's, okay. That's all Yes, and, the, and, the, and a good uh, book too is also that ancient secret of the flower of life I've, I've been talking about, which talks about the manifestation of these geometries into reality, coming from the etherical realm, as you would explain it, into our physical realm. It's really good, interesting stuff. Can you repeat that title for me one more time? I'm just going to write it down. Please. Sure. It's called The Ancient Secret of the Flower of Life by Druunvalo Melchizedek. Melchizedek, like the guy in the Bible. So, it's a pretty good book, and it has a lot of stuff on it. I've got a hands on that. It's, uh, there's also stuff about ancient Atlantis, um, meditation, Merkaba meditation, stuff like that, so it's pretty cool. But guys, I did want to move on to the next section, because there's a lot to unpack in these, uh, these emails in here. So, so Ron, I'll just uh, read your next... Uh, Sorry, text message part here. Um, going back. So you say soul is the highest level of separation from source, the totality of your being as it exists in separate form. You could say even soul as separation is an illusion. It's pure energy. Soul divides down into mind stream. This is the ethereal component of your soul that interacts in the ether with other mind streams, non-physical. And I'll stop it there because there's a lot to unpack there. But do you want to explain that? Yeah, keep keep in mind too. Like I'm I'm working this out. You know, I'm trying to like tap into information and and convey it somehow. So yeah, but at a very like basic level, like you know, I think everyone kind of knows they have a soul, and it's like immortal. You know, like it goes beyond the body, and um, it's kind of like yeah, it's like your your neighbor who like, or you know, your friend who moves like across the country or something. Like, you kind of know him, but like you can't you can't yell at him. Like he's so far away. It's like your soul is like the highest level. But then you get these different, um, you know, manifestations. You can say of like consciousness, like your mind stream. And so you know, I, you guys read the book, right? Like the uh, uh, Dolores Cannon, like whatever, over Soul 7, like she kind of talks about you can have multiple lifetimes going on at the same time. And so this is, this is like how your, your mind stream can get mixed up in this world into these different ongoing incarnations. Um, and you can also, you know, like, like Ghostbusters, you know, like fuse the streams together. Uh, it gets, it gets kind of weird. But yeah, just from like a high level, it's like, you got your soul, you got your mind stream, and then you have your, you know, lowest form, you could say, like your, your, your personality, your persona, your being that is experience. you know, like right now, all of us on this call, like experiencing this world, that's, you know, pretty far removed from your, your soul, but there's a connection. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and the way I see it uh, from Dolores Cannon's books and other sources is like if human beings have a soul, 
and, but also that soul has a part of a, a group of souls, our soul family. And then above that, there's even like a group soul, like a collective consciousness of, say, all of humanity. And there could even be something above that. So there's these layers upon layers of consciousness. And we're just kind of trying to experience that right now and learn about it. So, and what you said about the mind stream, yeah, I think, I think that's what my meditation instructor would, would think of as uh, thought forms. Um, so that's pretty interesting that you put it in that way because it makes that connection for me because we, I think as, as beings, as physical beings, we have our ego, which is our memories, which is our personality, our persona. Then we have our soul or our subconscious mind, which is tied in with our intu- intuition and our body too. And then we also have thought forms, which is a form of consciousness. Um, yeah, so, yeah, do you want to say anything else or I'll go on? Can you say more about thought forms? You know, uh, I wish I could. I was thinking about this earlier. Like, I didn't, I don't fully understand them myself. Um, and I'm not sure if they're, like, internal to our soul or something external. But I know that in my meditation course, we did a meditation where we would visualize us sitting at a table. And we're, you know at one end of the table, and to our left is our ego. Across from us is our intuition, our subconscious, or our body. And then to the right of us is the thought forms. So it kind of tells me that the thought forms are sort of separate from what our soul could be. And our body also has its own kind of consciousness or mind, too, which is kind of tied in with your intuition, your gut feeling, so to speak. So, yeah, I wish I could say more about thought forms, but I don't know a lot about them as is. Yeah, I could, I could use this example um, for Mindstream that might make sense because, um, you know, everyone knows Buddha. Um, I went, you know, when was he around? Like 4,000 years ago, something like that. Uh, he died, but his Mindstream carried on. And then... A lot of people think that he came back in like the 1300s as a different person, Padmasambhava. And so the, the being was different. Um, the outward manifestation was different. The identity to some extent. But yeah, he behaved differently. But the mind stream was the same. Or you could say the mind stream was slightly evolved or a little more upgraded from time, you know, from point A to point B. So that, that's kind of what I mean by that. So I heard um, Abraham Hicks explained it in a way where it kind of um, made a lot of sense to me. So there's the whole idea of your thoughts. So thoughts are created, right? So in terms of it's a manifestation of your, it's a manifestational representation of your frequency, right? So if you're feeling good, you're going to be thinking things that, are reflecting that frequency. And and then when you so there's that and and those thoughts then think themselves as well, right? So once a thought is created, it has its own thought and it just kind of and that thought has its own thought and it's like cra- crazy. But in terms of thought forms, she gave an example one time in ter- uh, so there was a lady that um she, whatever, there was a lot of robberies going on in her neighborhood, and at that point, whatever, made her kind of feel a little bit insecure. 
And while most of her time, like most of her days, like regularly, she's a very happy-go-lucky person, all of a sudden she's like this high bridge that she would always drive over that she never thought about. All of a sudden she was having like panic attacks going over there, driving over, and like she kept thinking like something's going to happen with the bridge and the bridge was going to collapse. And so Abraham Hicks kind of like explained to her that, yeah, that makes sense in the sense that if you're experiencing, so here you are having the um, experience of feeling maybe a little bit vulnerable because there's been a few break-ins in your neighborhood and whatever. And, you know, that that vibe is when, when you're driving on the bridge, you're also, again, like we're all co-creating and meeting um, other frequencies and so imagine all the people that drove on that bridge all the years and all their thoughts about the bridge cracking and breaking and you're meeting that too so it's like kind of thoughts thought forms having their own um, their own lives I guess maybe that's how they interact with us Okay, so Ron, do you want to add anything, or should we move on? Because I think yeah, the next. Yeah. No, keep going. That's good. Okay, um, let's talk about the ego because this is also something that's pretty interesting that is not like fully understood by anybody. But um, you tap into it here when you say personality is an incarnation. Um, you go on to say identity is apparent through all levels soul, mind stream, personality, it's like your source code. Identity is the joyful expression of the soul's manifestation, reveling in unique, uniqueness, learning, growing. Ego is a giant lie. Ego says you have identity, but that's all you have. You're not connected to source. You're not that part of the whole. Your identity is a prison instead of a joyous manifestation. So, yeah, well said there. I think those are some good words. Um, like, the, my, my idea of the ego is, yeah, this is our self. This is our persona. This is who we are in this life. And it's so tough to, to try and see beyond that, but that's kind of like one of our missions as, a, as somebody who meditates. You try to, one of the very foremost affirmations you do when you're meditating is you say, I am more than my physical body, right? Because that's our, our ego is who we are or it is who we think we are, our persona, our personality. Um, yeah, our identity, as you put it. So do you got anything to add? Yeah, I think it's, it's a difficult like, concept because most people kind of equate ego and identity. So I'm trying to figure out how to make the case that the two are not the same. Like, you can have identity and you should like, you know, revel in your magnificence, um, however that may be, but you can do it without ego because I just, it's not a great word because people have so much like attachment to it, but it's like, you know, you are who you are, your individuality, but that's not your true nature, but the ego says, yes, it is. This is, this is the totality of you is, is what you see in this physical world and it's you know it's a lie so yeah that's all i would say about that i think well i think uh, a lot of for a lot of people their identity is their ego or their ego is their identity so it does equate for a lot of people especially if they're not spiritual or believing in 
the soul or the spirit or anything like that. Um, like this is their reality. This is their whole world. And this is kind of the agenda for the deep state to want people to think that and to believe that because if, if this is all there is, um, then you've got a lot to lose, you know, if you die, say for example. So yeah, that's, that's an excellent point actually, because, you know, I think if you boil down the whole deep state negative being agenda, it's to disconnect you from the notion of your spirituality, you know, disconnect you from spirit. And what you could argue that the, you can do that by uh, tricking people into ego. So there's no life after death, there's no ether, there's no, you know, everything isn't tethered to a realm beyond our eyes. It's just the here and now, and then we die, that's it. And holy shit, now you're locked into ego and you're much more manipulated. Yeah, much more manipulated and much and much more full of fear because you have so much fear when you don't have any spirituality, any belief in other realms, any faith. Um, because yeah, you think that oh, once you die, that's it. Meanwhile, our consciousness goes on and and so on and so forth. So yeah, um, you hit the nail on the head when you said uh, yeah, it's a deep state agenda to keep us all in the dark about this, and it's been going on for eons since the Middle Ages and. Before that, when they convinced people that there was this hell they were going to, even um, if they don't follow the orders, you know, of the powers that be. Bitcoin bomb, were you going to say something? I was going to say we can agree that uh, I don't think anybody in this room would disagree with the statement that the deep state has a very vested interest in being able to manipulate us into perceiving their reality right along with them. Right? Certainly, and. I also wouldn't disagree with um, Evaganis' uh, opinion that, for sure, like it, it would be kind of a life wasted to lose that opportunity and to not take the opportunity and connect with your higher being and so on and so forth, right? And have that life experience. However, when we say you stand a lot to lose or something, like I don't necessarily agree with that because it's like, okay, what's the worst that can happen? Like say you get sucked in by the deep state, you're a sucker, you, you don't end up like connecting with yourself spiritually, it's a fail by all measures, whatever we want to say. But then, all right, then you die and then you wake up and you're like, hey, <laughs> I'm God. It was up. Oh, what happened? Oh, this is what happened in this reality. Oh, I could have done this better and da da da. All right. Let's let's have another goal. Like, what is it that you really stand to lose when you have infinity? Like, you're not going anywhere. You you can get caught in the soul matrix of the dark side and have to be continually reincarnated into the system of slavery. So you want to get liberated. And you want to ascend. So it is kind of like an evolution of consciousness and like the path of our soul is one of consciousness. And we're trying to like transcend the system. Yes, we do kind of come into this school of earth to learn all these lessons but eventually like we want to leave you know we don't want to be yeah, trapped okay. in a slave manner, and that's what they want to do is they want to continually eternally enslave us with the system right but i kind of see them as like you know the haunted house you pay to get an experience but they're just there to provide the experience like at the end of the day you walk out of it and you know it's nothing it's just but but if they're really really good they really suck you into that experience because like, okay, assuming, so let's say, let's say that's exactly what happens, right? Let's say you get sucked into a couple of lifetimes of slavery, but to some extent, 
you on the other side being in your god state isn't that something you might want to experience too like being a sucker like being a slave for a couple of lifetimes see what that's all about you have all like we think of it like there's some kind of time frame some shit to go on but like time is a human construct right so on the other side it's all happening at the same time so whether it's one lifetime 10 lifetime 20 lifetimes it's really all the same we have eternity so in terms of like I don't see those experiences necessarily as like I just see them as experiences. So let's yeah, say I, you get I don't think I, I don't think either of us are arguing that that viewpoint is correct. I'm just saying that yeah, from time immemorial, like from the beginning of time, if you wanted to like manipulate a group of people, you try to convince them that this is all there is, and if you can do that, they're they're more easily manipulated. I think it's just that's just been the game from like day one, you know, which is why they fucking killed Jesus and you know they kill anyone who's like starts riling people up to their true nature, you know. And fundamentally, that's all religion is. It's it's um, like a codified way to view your true nature. I agree with you guys on that point. Like you guys are a hundred percent right on that. That's not even the point. Like that is what it is you know no arguments there but in terms of that being a bad thing from a bigger from let's say from your god perspective like so i can understand from a human perspective right we're all sitting here and none of us like the idea of being suckered into a couple of lifetimes in of slavery certainly does not you know fill me up with good vibration from this human perspective but say I was like, but let's assume we were looking at it from God's perspective, right? So God's perspective of limitlessness. Wouldn't like, wouldn't you kind of, wouldn't we be like, hey, let's go try that out for a couple of lifetimes. See what that's going to be like. It's going to be so fun. Like, would we have a different perspective than we do now? Kind of, do you know what I mean? Well, I, I think I do. I, I you know, to get back, like, if we're kind of talking about ego still, like, I don't think there's any argument you can give me that will convince me ego is a good thing. Because it's like Avogadro said, like, it's all about efficiency, really. And it's like, do you, do you want to just, like, drown in the river or, like, let the currents take you wherever they will? Or do you want to say, how can I efficiently get this done? Like, <laughs> You know, how can I level up efficiently? Like, that's, that's what I think. And I know you don't think that. But that's, that's where my mind is. And I think you could maybe boil it down to, like, the most efficient existence you can have is one without ego. I, like, you, I already told you, to me, ego is like foreskin. If you came into this world with it, it might serve a purpose. You know, and I don't like, rather than suppress the ego and get rid of the ego, I think the whole goal, because if you look at human ego, the reason why it's fucked up sometimes is because it's been traumatized. It's gone through shit, you know, and the whole purpose is to kind of like heal that ego. Like, hey, you know what? I'm sorry you got the fuck beat out of you as a child. I'm sorry you went through some tough shit. You know, like, I'm sorry you had your heart broken, whatever, whatever, whatever yeah. healing you need to have. Oh. This is why I was trying to do definitions, because 
it's just a different definition. So that, that's right. why this whole okay. so rant. let's go back to your definitions, right? Because earlier on you said personality is incarnation. And I like that resonates very strongly with me. And the other thing that you pointed out was like the whole idea, like your version or not your version, but certainly I, it resonated with me as like, same as like the Holy Trinity. When you said soul, mind, stream, personality, right? So maybe, maybe the, maybe the difference is that like, to me, ego is that personality, you know? And sometimes it's like that personality gets fractured because of life experience. And so if it, instead of throwing that personality aside or suppressing it, the whole idea is, you know, to, Kiss its little boo-boo, put a band-aid where you need to, and like, hey, let me show you the truth. Like, this is, I'm sorry what happened to you, but here's the truth of who you are. And you're here in this reality to merge all those three things, your soul, your mind, and your personality. And boom, that's when you get the full-on experience. That's when you get your whole God, personality, mind stream, all connected. And that's a motherfucker to be messed with. You know, like, that's a powerful human being. Yeah, I mean, no argument for me. I think you're kind of making my point. You know, it's like, you get rid of the ego, you recognize your true nature, you align those three things, and then you're, like, walking on water and performing miracles because you see the true nature of things. It's like, it's like Neo in the Matrix. You know, all of a sudden the code just becomes apparent. It's like, oh, well, everything is consciousness. These are the energetic structures giving rise to everything. I have consciousness. I can manipulate them as much, you know, however I want through my thoughts, which is what everyone says, you know, like manifestation, thoughts, all that stuff. It's just physics at some level. And so when you get out of your own way with this, you know, get the ego out of the way, you can do whatever you want. I, you know, I just, I firmly believe that. Can I ask you just for distinction? So personality and ego to you are different things, right? Exactly. Okay. So can I ask you to describe ego without using the word ego to me, just so I have a better um, like understanding of how what ego is to you? Because I think it just means, again, my personal... I. I Identification with ego is different than yours, and I think that's the that's where. Yeah, we, let me yeah. let me give the example again of these two lifetimes of Buddha and Padma. Um, okay, so Buddha, whatever, 2000 BC, Padma, 1300, uh, two different manifestations of the same soul or the same mind stream, and I would say both times no ego. He came in with no ego, he left with no ego. You know, they call Buddha the lotus born, right? Like he was just born on a, a lotus petal or whatever. Like, no ego for that dude. And so it's kind of like, why was he different? Why was he not just an exact copy of, of his previous incarnation? And it's like, it's like before he died, before Buddha died, he prophesied that he was going to return in the land of Odeon, and he was going to uh, be a wild man and do some crazy shit, because he was basically like, you guys aren't ready for this yet. Um, he was already kind of like foretelling his next incarnation, because it wasn't uh, harmonious with the times, you know, with the consciousness of the time. And so he appeared as a different 
identity or a different personality, and which is true, but it was the same um, force behind that personality. That, that's how I would explain that. And so he would have been, he would not have been able to foretell of his second coming and you know do all the crazy shit he did if he had ego. It would have just blocked that. Our ego is like a block. It's like so fingers on. So ego is like the attachment to his identity as it is as a human being, his personality is like an attachment or a connection to that, that, that can't seem to, can't, can't think outside the box, right? You can't get around. So are we defining ego and conditioning? Sorry, say that again. Can we equate ego to conditioning? No. Um, so like, I would equate ego with fear. Fear. So like, they kind of joke about like these, these high level, you know, monks or whatever, like, did I tell you the, the story of like before Jesus died? Did I tell you that story? No. So, you know, Jesus was on a cross for three days uh, on, a, on top of a hill, you know, just left there to, like, to die. And I think it was Peter, like one of his disciples came and visited him. He walked up to him and he's like, you know, Jesus, man, how are you, how are you doing? How's things going? Jesus was weak and dying, and he's like, Peter, come closer. And Peter's like, okay, you know, gets closer, and she's like, no, closer. He's like, yes, what is it, Jesus? Jesus is like, Peter, I can see your house from here. And then he died. That's pretty funny. <laughs> The, the full joke, you go on and on with this whole, I'm closer, Peter. I can see your house from here. But that's, that's like zero fear, you know? Like, you're cracking jokes and then you fucking die because it's like whatever, you know? That, that's, to me, zero ego, zero fear. Ego is fear. So can we uh, talk about that just for a sec in terms of uh, people's psychedelic experiences and their so-called ego death trips, because I had that experience when I was overdosed on mushrooms, and I had kind of an ego death. And I was taking such an objective view of my life. I was like, yeah, this is my life. This is my family, blah, blah, blah. And I was sort of detached from, I guess, my personality and identity and everything that happened in my life. But it was a death of my ego, and it was scary because you have to let go of who you think you are. And that fear is there because it's your reality crumbling in a sense. So I guess that that's what people mean when they have an ego death trip, right? Is like they become disconnected from who they think they are. So would you say that was a positive thing overall for you? No, like that was an overall negative experience because there was so much other negative, traumatic, terrifying things that were going on at that time. Like it was very bad. And that didn't really help much, although it did give me a very interesting perspective on life. Like, it was a very metaphysical experience. So I can look back and say, oh, that was pretty interesting, although I forgot most of the experience. It was so long ago, right? Um, 
Yeah, it's definitely interesting. And that's definitely a phenomenon that can happen, you know, on psychedelic drugs, um, which is fascinating. It's, it's really eye-opening for a lot of people, but it can be very, very scary uh, for people who have no concept of the metaphysical world. You know, they, they don't believe in spirituality. Maybe they're atheist or whatever. And then they have this experience that is just world-shattering because their whole reality, their whole world is their ego. And once they lose that, then what are they? They're left wondering, like, well, what am I? You <laughs> know, what am I really? If I'm not that, I'm, I'm not my name. I'm not this person. I'm not my, you know, this isn't really my family, my mom and dad, this, this isn't really my, like, what am I? I'm a consciousness just experiencing this life right now. So, yeah. Do you, do you think, like, when they, like, uh, hardcore, like, Christians believe that, Jesus was literally a man, right? And he was also literally God. I've always thought that that's something that actually applies to everyone. Um, but certain select individuals are actually aware of it. And then they become icons like Buddha or Jesus or whatever. Yeah, I am of the uh, strong opinion that, like, I used to be like a hardcore Christian too. I grew up a Catholic. And then when I was 18, I was converted to a born again Christian. I was like hardcore. And then I had that belief that they have. But now I tend to believe that, yeah, like all consciousness is a manifestation of God. All beings come from that source. So they're all, in a sense, God incarnated, in a sense. You could, you could think like, let's say I had, you know, three lifetimes going on at the same time. You know, I'd be completely disconnected from them. You know, I can't speak to myself. I'm like Alpha Centauri. But I'm, it's me, the same person as the soul, right? And it's like, the way I see God, it's like, you know, the idea of me as like a discrete, separate soul is, it's an illusion. Like, I'm just, I'm connected to you and the bomb, you know, everyone in the room, like, it's all the same, but we, we perceive it as being separate, even at a soul level. But, you know, God is just like the bucket of all souls or something. So, yeah, Aaron, you should like, in answer to your question, you know, 100%, like, that is our true nature. And if we all realized it, we would all have superpowers. But, you know, we obviously don't. And so we can get into that if you want. Like, how do you become Jesus? Um, you know, I would just say proof of work. We are all one consciousness experiencing itself subjectively. There's no such thing as death. Life is kind of just like a dream. And we're just an imagination of ourselves. <laughs> Bill Hicks, what's up, Bitcoin Bum? Well, if we're all at the core of us God, right? What about the devils? What about the evil spirits? What is at their core? Are they of God too? It's all relative, I would imagine, right? I think that's interesting. I'm not actually sure what you mean. Well, like the Rothschilds of the world, the reptilians, whatever you want to call them, what we see as evil forces, the Hitlers of the world, are like, or even maybe even like the devil, if the devil really exists, or um, let's say um, evil spirits, right? That energies that linger around, are they not of God too? Good question. Um, my take is that, well, if God is everything, and they are part of that, all that is, then they must be, have some semblance of God in them, maybe a spark or 
but maybe there are some things out there that are totally disconnected from God. And that's why I think that the, that's why that they're trying to disconnect us from God uh, because they very much are so too, the dark ones, you know, and, uh, and this AI that comes from a different dimension is, is like, I, I just perceive it as being one of the furthest levels from God. If you think that if you, if you see that the path towards God or the source is one of frequency of vibration and you're trying to raise our, consciousness to those levels well there are beings that are just at the lowest rock bottom level right and they're so they're, they're the farthest from god and the most disconnected i can't tell you that i know for sure that they're 100 percent disconnected but a being like an ai being that is completely like say robotic in, in its emotions in its empathy it is 100 percent disconnected from god for all intents and purposes, because it has no heart, it has no spirituality, it is just completely e- pure evil. So I agree with you that it, it would be a hundred percent disconnected from God. So if it's if it if I'm here in my evil little self, right, in my evil electromagnetic field that makes me, right, then most likely I'm in a position where I'm the most disconnected from my higher self from source energy, so on, right? So from that perspective, absolutely. Isn't but from God's perspective, because God is connected to everything, God is not waiting for me to recognize it or to be, to be close to me. God is always a part of me as well, right? So even the evil spirits, the demonic spirits, the murderers, whatever, those who are the most distant from God, from their perspective, surely they have the same access to God, ultimately. It's just they're choosing not to. Aren't they basically fulfilling a different role in God's work? Like, if if everything is consciousness and everything is connected to God, then, like, I mean, in nature, for example, right, Um, a wolf pack takes down um, a a sick female in the herd that maybe can't make any more calves, right? And the wolf's... They see her, they eye her out, they separate her from the herd, they take her down, they kill her. From that particular, you know, perspective of that, you know, deer getting taken down, she's like, wow, this is evil. These wolves are evil. From her perspective, they're inflicting damage and evil. But in the grand scheme of things, they're actually strengthening the herd. They're actually ensuring the prosperity of the other, you know, females around her, the other male deer that kind of has all these females in his harem. And similarly for a male deer that's maybe not, it doesn't have the size, the stature of the other male deers, he'll be targeted, he'll be separated from the herd, he'll be taken down. And, like, we might view that as evil in the same way that, like, these globalist kind of entities seemingly are performing evil, but in the greater scheme of things, they might be actually strengthening the human soul or the human consciousness, I guess. Yeah, I think that's a good assessment. And my perspective is that <clears throat> it is all part of the the uh, the idea that God has manifested this reality to experience itself and experience duality. And you can't experience light without darkness. You can't experience darkness without light. So each side has a role to play. And this takes me back to, even in the Bible, like the book of Job, how God is there, you know, God is, exists, but... He's letting Satan roam around and doing do all these things to people. He's letting Satan have you know provide negative experiences for all kinds of beings. So it's Wait, it's almost it's almost like it's almost like a cop out for God, but you know, it's like, okay, okay, Satan is gonna kill Job's family and all this stuff and put him through all this torture, 
So you can't blame God. But hey, God created Satan, though. You know, so I don't know. Maybe that's a parallel for the universe or for the the source. But it's just the idea that there's this duality, and that we each have, there are there each are our roles to play. So maybe everything is is simply a part of God. All it is. What's up? I was just going to say, in particular, the story of Job. I believe uh, we might have been exposed to two very different stories because. My version of the story of Job oh is that Job, it was God. Give the whole version. This is a long one. Did, I'm not telling the Sodom and Gomorrah story. I'm trying to tell him the Job story, and the Job story is a whole other story yeah, yeah. too. The Bible's fucked up. We get it. No, no, no. Not that the Bible's fucked up, but just in his just his version. So the whole idea of the devil coming down. The devil didn't just come down like Satan didn't just come down and start blowing shit up. It was a little deal between him and God. Like God was like, hey, Satan, have you seen my boy Job? Look at him praising me like the good little obedient child of God that he is. And Satan was like, yeah, of course he is because you gave him everything. Like he's got his slaves, he's got his cattle, he's got his kids. The man is living. What else? Of course, you know, like you blessed him. And so God says to Satan, you know what? I bet you, I bet you you're wrong. Uh, how about this? You go ahead down there and you can fuck up all his shit. Don't touch him, but go ahead and destroy whatever the hell else you got and then see what happens. So Satan's like, cool, no problem. This was with the permission of God. He didn't just go down there and fuck up his shit all willy-nilly. He was approved, co-signed by the good God above. And he came down and he took all the, like, he just blew up all his shit. Killed the servants, his cattle, his whatever. Only thing he left him with is his wife. You know, it's to serve him as punishment. So anyway, so he goes back to, to God and they're all sitting there because Job, after all of that, that's where we get the whole, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh because Job is still a good little boy. Job was like, hey, God gave me all that shit. And if he wants to take it away, you go ahead. Do you, boo. But I'm good out here. I still love you. I still praise you. We're just going to sit out here and keep praying the good Lord's name. And so, and so the Satan was back in the boardroom with God and he was like, and God was like, see, I told you, I told you Job was my dude. He's going to praise me no matter what. And then Satan goes to God, yeah, okay, well, I don't know about all that because, sure, you let me fuck up all his shit, but what you didn't let me do was touch him. And I maybe if you let me taint him a little bit, maybe his outcome would be different. And then God was like, you know what? I'm going to take you up on that deal. You go ahead. Go down there. Fuck up. The only thing you can do is take his life. How and so, so Well, no, but my point is, sorry, we get ended there. My point is that that story in particular, it, it, God was at the root of all that, from my understanding. That was the best rendition of Job I've ever heard. <laughs> I don't know the story. I thought that was going to, I thought that could go on. Um, you know, earlier we talked about love as worthy opponents. And I mean, you could just think of the devil as your worthy opponent, which would make the devil love. Well, it is all about learning experience. Like life is all about like learning experiences. And, um, you know, a lot of women and men too, they have these abusive relationships, right? Where they're in a relationship with an abusive person who's a narcissist, who's a psychopath. And these narcissists are just abusers, right? They're just so, uh, like, terrible people. They beat them, and they gain pleasure out of seeing people hurt or whatever. But um, apparently, like, these are a lot of lessons for people to put their foot down 
and gain their own power because they need that lesson for whatever reason as a part of a higher consciousness learning. They need to put their foot down, gain their own sovereignty, and gain their power. So can, I, I kind of want to give you an example. You guys, let me know what you think because it's like the way I see the path to evolution is like pretty fucked up, really. Like you come off the assembly line like you're a freshly minted soul. You don't just like come in and become a light worker, star seed, and you know, working your way up towards like evolution. Like for the vast majority, like the trillions of lifetimes, you're just like a slug who's like asleep and doesn't really know what's going on. And I think you probably have to flirt with being close to demonic for some amount of time, you know, like like Peterson's whole like channel your, I guess that's young, channel your shadow self, like, I think if you were to look at, like, Jesus, he probably did some fucked up things for a long time, like, he was probably a monster for a long time, would be my guess, I don't know, but it's like, there's no judgment there, right, like, it's, it's just the path that I think you have to go down to become enlightened, what do you guys think? Dark is the path to enlightenment. Have you guys read the book, uh, by any chance, um, Conversations with God by Neil Donald Walsh? A long time ago, but that was one of my first, um, yes, the con yes, I think he had a few of them. Yeah, yeah, he wrote a few of them. They're, they're really interesting. Uh, it was like my first exposure coming out of like, uh, like I rejected all of Christianity as a, as a teenager, and then I, kind of, I found this book in my early 20s, and I was like, you know, okay, this is interesting. Like, this kind of is a retake on spirituality and on, on you know, the greater, the greater kind of force of consciousness. And I found it very interesting of a book. Um, I think he may have been onto something at first. I think that he probably just kind of ran with the money and the fame afterwards and just kept writing. Because the, the more books he produced, I read all of them, they started to get more and more far out, and he started to make more and more, like, claims like oh this is a legit claim a legit claim and like the one thing that made me just be like okay this thing is all is complete nonsense is things that god was saying that um you guys eat animal fat and complained about corroded arteries and right at that point i was like yeah, that's not how it works <laughs> i didn't read his later stuff i just ended like conversations with god was one of the first introductions and i really really liked it because it was one of the first things that i ever read where like my personal belief my whole life even before that was that love like god is love like period and so religion or anything else that would start talking about it i just stopped resonating with me and that was the first book where i was like oh well not maybe not the first one but definitely one of the first ones where that was the whole premise of it and when i read it it just it resonated so much with me because i was like yes this makes sense god is love nothing else done yeah, it was a really good summary. Um, I think, I think, like I said, I think he was kind of onto something. <clears throat> um, I think maybe the beginnings of it was really a muse thing. Like he, he, the way he explains it is he wasn't writing. The words just kind of jumped on the paper, and that's how a lot of writers explain things. Um, ideas not being your own, they're just kind of coming into your head, and it's a distinct feeling. Like, oh, that's not my idea, right? Oh, so it, to that. Personally, I think he channeled that, but I just think at the time where the books came out, channeling was like what crazy people did, and you know, people were getting all kind of bad raps for for saying that that they were channelers. 
The world wasn't ready to receive it, and I think that's why. Pardon me? you define channeling? Um, I would define it as elevating, being able to raise your frequency high enough to connect on a, um, with your higher self. So your higher self is giving you information? Yeah, but your higher self can be your, what you, um, what I understand you to explain your soul. It could be family. It could be the whole entire source. It's just, it's all your higher self, just to varying degrees. Could it be Bill? Could it be who? Bill? Bill who? Bill Smith? Sure. If you, why not? Okay, so it's any being, but what if your frequency is low? Can you channel a demonic Bill Smith? I mean, why not? But is that, so, but, but, sorry, is that, would that not be from more of like an energy? I think I remember you, Evangadis, talking about this another time, but wouldn't that be like more of a negative, you're, you're just um, energetically connecting with a negative energy, but on this realm, because this is the, the 2D universe for that duality to exist, or for us to experience that duality, because if God and its original God source is love, it's, there is no room, like, that is an antithesis, like, to that, right? So here is the reality where we experience the opposite of it. So when you tap into negative energy, I think it's more like how Evan Gaddis explained it, like, and it's just negative uh, you know, maybe somebody's soul got caught up in here, and it, you know. Um. I think channeling, like, you can channel probably any other type of consciousness. Like, you can channel your higher self, which is a higher consciousness. You can channel energy beings or extraterrestrials or whatever have you, but I think those evil forces are out there too, and that could possibly happen too. Um, because our bodies are a vessel and our consciousness is kind of like just the driver of that vessel. And you hear of like even demon possessions and stuff like that. So I think it's not out of this, you know, there's, there's been so many cases of that, that, um, it's not out of the question that demons exist and they could possibly inhabit, you know, the vessels of human beings. But to define channeling, I think it's probably just transmitting consciousness in some way. Wait, 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 I got another way to transmit it. That's just going off like exactly how you explained it. What if it's a way to, for, to connect? So you're, when you um, raise your, vi your vibration, right? What you're doing is kind of detaching in a way from your personality and connecting more so with your mind stream, right? And when you're at your mind stream level, the same way that your soul, so let's say, your soul can talk to you, but so can, I imagine from that point, another soul can as well, whether it's through your soul, through merging with your soul and connecting with you, or does that make sense? Yeah, so my, my idea of um, channeling your, like, I would say it's your, your higher self, like when you're in a deep state of meditation, or when you do, do a guided hypnosis to reach those deep levels, like, yeah, you're tapping into your higher self, with Dolores Cannon, also called the subconscious, 
Um, Ron, did you want to say something? Yeah, I, you know, this is actually like one of the things I, I really want to talk about is because it's like, yeah, if you, if you think of like, I like what you said, like, it's like you have a vehicle and your, your consciousness is like driving that vehicle or something. It's not, again, it's not like the atom where everything is like discrete, you know, we're like these overlapping fields of, of energy. So it's like, you know, shit, why did I have that crazy thought? You know, it's like, oh, well, my mind streams got mixed up in the, in the ether, you know, like, it's just this constant pool of um, manipulation and influence. Like, we're, we're all getting influence from all sorts of beings all the time. A higher self, demonic self, Bill Smith. Like, it's just this, this constant, like, um, coin join of consciousness just getting mixed up in the ether. And I think, it, I, you know, I think it's a very important thing for people to, like, realize is that, you know, your mind is your own unless it's not. It's almost like we have this perception because we see things from this third dimensional perspective and doing something like DMT rips you out of that perspective like violently and it like shakes you and you're like, holy shit, that's an illusion. But you have this original perception that almost like matter is a layer one and consciousness is layer two, but I think it's actually the other way around. And that's exactly what, Ron, you put in your email, right? So I'll go back to your email because you raised a really interesting point that um, sort of uh, really connects to what Moses just said. So let me just pick, grab your email here. Um, and this relates to ego. So what you said, Ron, is layer one soul, layer two mind stream, layer three personality, but the ego is the lie that the personality is layer one. So most people, like you say, they a lot of people don't believe in the spiritual world. They don't have any idea that we have a soul or anything, so just the personality and the ego is all they know. What a, what a crazy coincidence. Yeah, that's really funny. Like, I, I think I texted both of you guys that, like, a couple hours ago or something. But, yeah, I mean, if you don't have this belief in this other realm where everyone's minds are all interacting, it's like, well, I can't be influenced unless you're, like, sitting in the room with me or something, you know, or if you're dead. Bro, you, you didn't text me that. You, you didn't send me that, so oh, right. <laughs> that no, I know, I, know. Text. I think I sent Bum and Avogadro's that, I think, maybe, but, yeah. Which is, which is wild, because I got it without the text. <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting that you kind of came to the same conclusion, um, pretty much the same idea, but uh, I, I did want to say something. And I just lost that thought form. <laughs> but just give me one sec. It's going to come back. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. Um, it's all about, like, in these COVID times, uh, I think it's really, like, it's really scary time for a lot of people. People are afraid of COVID. But I also see it as a spiritual awakening time, like the great, great awakening, because what it's doing is it's, it's kind of forcing people to look inward towards their spiritual self, right? Because... In tough times, people, people like kind of draw closer to God or the spiritual self or the higher self, whatever you want to describe it. So it's like, you know, it's a time where that's people are. It's making people level up to that level, you know. And uh, like, especially that time when so many people become atheists and don't believe in that. Um, look at the separation between people. There's like two dimensions going on at the same time. People are either so full of fear 
and they only have ego and they only believe that this is life is all there is. If they're going to get COVID and they're going to die. Or there's the people who can see past the bullshit, who know that there's life after death, their consciousness keeps going on, and who aren't afraid of anything that's going on right now. I've said it before, like the most terrifying adversary is one who has no fear of death and has no ego because you know that they're just going to act act in the best interest of truth and nothing will get in the way. I mean, it's like, you know, if I were a bad guy, that would be like the immediate thing I would want to, to take out. So, yeah, I totally agree. Like we look at COVID as like this terrible thing, but, you know, is it? What about somebody like Julian Assange? What about him? Sorry. In terms of like he has integrity, and I imagine he has some level of ego because some people say he's like a bit of a prick or something in terms of he's demanding or something. But he's a fucking genius, and he's bringing a whole new like because of him. There's a whole new level of truth that was in the world. So in that way, how does the ego play out in that example? I, yeah, I'm not sure. Like, like to me, if I were like, because I, I don't know much about Julian Assange, but like I'll give you a, a different example. Like if I were a big bank and I'm looking at Jack Mallers, like he scares the shit out of me because he, to me, he has like no ego and he's dedicated to like acting the best interest of truth. Like he's just fucking unstoppable. Um, so th that's just the point I'm trying to make. Like, if you can access that, uh, aka get rid of fear, you know, live without fear, act without fear, like, you're just a, a very worthy adversary. Yeah, a fearful person or group or corporation is one that's going to work, like, negatively for all of humanity. But someone who, who isn't afraid and has no ego... Um, is just a powerful opposing force, which is like you said, like some of these people in the Bitcoin community who have good characters. Um, there's no, there's no stopping that. There's no replacing that. There's no uh, nothing that the, the dark side can come up with to say, hey, you know, they want to corrupt the heart of a human being. But I think in the end, uh, the goodness of humanity will shine forth, and hopefully, like Bitcoin will succeed. Yeah, and you guys were talking about um, the love and the opposite of love, right? Like, um, I think indifference is probably a good answer because I think you said that bomb, but I think fear might be a better answer. It's, it's kind of like the um, fear is isolated individual. Love is one with the whole. And it's like if you act out of love, you're by, by definition acting without fear and without ego. So one of the best explanations I ever heard for fear is belief in evil to succeed. So you have faith in evil to succeed. I don't know why, but that just resonated like, yeah, create that way. But yeah, I take your point with regards to it being the opposite of love. But also, I don't know, I would just like to push back on the whole, like, Rockefeller and Rothschilds and reptilians. Like, yeah, they. I would agree that they hold a different energy and maybe even a lower frequency. But I also 
in some ways, I kind of think maybe they're just better than us at focusing and holding what they want in focus because they seem to be able to create what the fuck they want and the rest of us are helping them create what they want to. And the only difference between us and them is that we're focused on their vision and they're focused on their vision too. And it's like, yeah. What I've heard is that a lot of the lead families in the world for a long time, including like the royal family, a lot of those other like high up business corporate elites, uh, like they've been basically like possessed by demons or reptilians or something and controlled by them for a long time. Um, which would me- explain why and how they have such a long-term vision for the humanity. Like, if you think about the, the agenda, the New World Order agenda, it started, like, way long ago, um, like, in the early 1900s or whatever. And it's like, people don't live to, like, 200 years to see fruition of that type of agenda. So it's like, it's like negative entities that have had that long-term vision for humanity. And a lot of those negative entities have apparently been taken out, but... Something I heard, uh, I was listening to something, uh, one of my, my YouTubers that I like, and it's apparently like the royal family, like when they when they die, uh, under their, their castles, like Windsor Castle and stuff, they have like this soul harvester so that when they, when they, when, <laughs> it sounds crazy, but when their physical body dies, like they, they reclaim that soul and put it into the next body so that these beings can keep coming back um, but also they live a lot longer, you know, as it is. So um, that's just kind of a tangent, but you had a tangent anyways, so I was allowed to do that. No, that's, I think it's, it is, but it's also not, it's like, like, you know, I think if you're a bad guy, you're like very afraid of death. And I think that theme plays out, like you said, like, oh, you're dead, like, quick, get a new body for this motherfucker, like, it, it's it's that fear of, like, going in into that, um like mom, you said, like your God self or whatever, like they don't like that. Yeah. So the negative beings, the negative entities, they want to live forever in this lower realm, like this third density, whatever you want to call it. They don't want to ascend or, you know, go back to God or anything. They want to live down here. So they do everything they possibly can uh, by subverting karma, by killing people, by making clone bodies, all these crazy things to try and stay in this world and control this world like forever. So they're trying to bring about the slave system and control everybody. But uh, I don't think that's the way to work. Cause I mean, eventually people have to go on the right way consciousness towards God. So if they take the dark path, like the darker path,